Hello, and welcome to Fraud Eat Strategy, an FTI consulting podcast series in which we explore the myriad ways that fraud, corruption, and misconduct can derail strategy and, and cause havoc. I'm Scott Moritz, a Senior Managing Director in FTI's Forensic and Litigation Consulting segment, where I assist clients and their outside counsel in managing their response to event-driven white-collar crime, misconduct, and bribery incidents. In this episode, we're going to discuss the rapidly expanding use of artificial intelligence, machine learning, and robotic process automation to undertake trade surveillance and mitigate fraud. Joining me today are two experts on the subject of artificial intelligence from both the technical and legal and compliance perspectives, Howard Kramer and Osgur Varal. So Howard is a partner with the law firm Murphy & McGonagall in D.C., who represents companies in securities regulatory law with a particular emphasis on broker-dealer, market structure, and compliance matters. He also provides counsel on the implications of artificial intelligence, machine learning, and for securities trading. Before entering private practice, Howard previously served for 16 years in several leadership positions with the SEC Division of Market Regulation, where he was responsible for oversight and regulation of the securities markets. Oz Varal is a managing director at FTI Consulting with 30 years experience in international security, forensic data analytics, data science, counterintelligence, forensic data analytics, data science, counterterrorism financing, BSA, AML compliance, and other financial crime compliance issues. He was previously the global head of the fraud risk management and financial crime compliance analytics practice at another global consulting firm. He also has spent a significant part of his career assisting U.S. federal government clients, including the Department of Defense and other agencies within the national security community. Welcome, Howard and Oz, and thank you for joining me today. Thank you. So thank you for inviting me. Uh, thank you. Uh, thank you uh, for your time, Howard. It's really great to be with you on this episode. Needless to say, AI, machine learning, and deep learning techniques and applications have become dominant forces shaping the banking and capital market sector for the past 15 years or so. Financial institutions are allocating significant resources on AI-based applications and talent versus with techniques and machine learning to improve customer experience, increase revenue, decrease cost, enhance market-making strategies, offer innovative products, and so forth. Regulators are also paying greater attention than ever before to the emergence of AI and its impact on the financial services sector. For example, in October 2018, the Financial Action Task Force released its guidance for a risk-based approach for AML risk mitigation, uh, mitigation for the security sector. Following that, in December 2018, the five key financial regulators issued a joint statement on the importance of innovative efforts to combat money laundering and terrorist financing, in which they encouraged banks to implement more innovative approaches, including AI. Also, FINRA has engaged in an active dialogue with broker-dealers, technology vendors, academics, and others to learn more about the use of AI in the securities industry. So, I've been really looking forward to our discussion on this exciting and rapidly evolving topic. Howard, um, first off, from your perspective, what is your take on artificial intelligence, machine learning, and deep learning in general as some of these terms, as you know, sometimes are loosely referenced? Sure. Thanks. Thanks, Oz. I'm going to respond from a maybe 5,000 or 10,000 foot level. To me, they're all subsets within one another as you go, no pun intended, deeper and deeper. AI to me is really just no more than the development of intelligence systems 
not produced by nature. So for example, like an algorithm to me is the simplest form of AI. Within AI, a smaller subset of that is machine learning. And machine learning is when the algos learn from data and patterns the data to produce outcomes without the need to reprogram the algo. So essentially the algos teach themselves without humans having to intervene and reprogram it. A good example of that is, for example, if I uh, type in a, on a Google search my name and I forget the letter O, uh, the next time or two I do it on Google, they're going to know that I'm really asking for Howard Kramer because the algorithm, search algorithm within Google has taught, retaught itself that H-W-A-R-D is really H-O-W-A-R-D. So that's machine learning, which is pretty, which gotten pretty widespread in a lot of areas of financial markets. Within machine learning, there's a, even a smaller subset called deep learning. Deep learning is using what's called simulated neural networks. In simpler terms, it's really just multiple layers of analysis where algos at each level learn and adjust from the inputs from the prior layer. The idea is that the more layers you get and the more reprogramming from different algos, the more precise an outcome you might get. In essence, a slight edge or alpha. But with deep learning, it, it takes a lot of, a lot of uh, data. It's, it's the computing power is immensely needed for deep learning. So it's very expensive compared to machine learning, which is much cheaper than deep learning. So that's how I view the three. Uh, sorry for the long, long explanation, but I think it's important. No, that makes perfect sense. And that's a great, great overview, Howard. Really appreciate it because I know some of these terms and definitions um, get over abused and also not correctly referenced right spaces. Um, and I know that you have published articles specifically about these techniques and their unique case uh, use cases, rather. So I'd like to encourage our listeners to check it out on Murphy and McConnell's website. There's some really great writing there published by you. Let's touch on the regulatory landscape that's often top of our clients' minds. From your perspective, what are the agencies that regulate the capital markets primarily focused on in the context of AI and its impact on the securities industry? As I would say at a general level, two things. First, simply just understanding what it is and how it's being used. For example, I've spoken with some people at FINRA and they have a section devoted to focusing on this, understanding how AI and machine learning is being used by their members. That's the first thing. The second is how do they also incorporate it themselves into their market activity monitoring and their analysis of specific member activities? So it's really understanding what their members do or broker dealers do, and then how do they incorporate it into their own monitoring? Great. Excellent. Thank you. I uh, also wanted to let you know that during my recent conversation with a broker dealer client of mine, our discussion turned to the use of AI and machine learning solutions and applications for market abuse, surveillance and monitoring, trade surveillance, and so on. There is wide recognition, broad recognition, that there is a need to go from traditional rule-based systems to a risk-based surveillance modeling with AI applications. But this client of mine expressed his frustration with the quote-unquote black box approach surrounding the use of AI. Could you please give us your take on the importance of the use of AI to the explainability piece has been broadly, widely discussed for the past few years? And what type of advice would you give to financial institutions to design and build a more explainable and auditable, traceable AI? It, it really it's, comes from two perspectives. One is the fact that as you build AI, it becomes a little bit more difficult to discern what is proper behavior and what is 
improper or abusive behavior. So for example, if you have algorithms reprogramming themselves based on inputs, and then you have multiple layers of these algos doing that, and you produce a result that's disruptive to the market, or maybe a result that is not quite what you intended, how do you monitor for that if you're a financial institution? What do you do about that? And then secondly, how do you train the people who are in charge of compliance to oversee that? Because it's one thing to have a securities coder, a software engineer, understand what the coding means. But how do you teach your compliance people to spot things in new applications of machine learning or deep learning, even for that matter, that may hold potential for harm for what the institution is doing or harm on the markets themselves? Yeah, that makes sense. So based on your explanation, or at least for folks like us, it's, it's good that AI is not there to take away every single job there's, that's out there. Because at the end of the day, like you said, there ought to be some people with compliance domain expertise that ought to be able to translate uh, what AI spits at in terms of insights into what regulators need to understand, correct? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I think also that in terms of if any of this use of AI in a monitoring or fraud detection context gave rise to litigation, it would be critically important to be able to explain the underlying logic and how is it that our use of AI gave rise to these alerts and then what did it cause to happen? Because, you know, there's the potential to undermine a party's, you know, sort of position in a litigation absent the ability to do that. Yeah, that, that's, that's absolutely correct, Scott. I mean, one of the, the underpinnings of trying to prove a case of fraud or market manipulation is showing intent. And with these forms of uh, new forms and more deeper forms of AI, it may be more difficult to prove intent. You can may prove kind of a reckless disregard for what the what your uh, AI produced, but it's harder and it maybe harder and harder to show that the outcome that was produced was what was actually intended. So I think that's something that both regulators and compliance folks are going to have to work with in terms of overseeing potential market abuses. Yeah, absolutely. That's why there's no one size fits all or uh, plug and play kind of a AI driven, AI empowered solution out there. That's another reason why I know that a lot of our clients, uh, financial institutions are coming to us in terms of what would be the best solutions coupled with domain expertise that ought to be deployed. From your perspective, as it relates to this challenge that we often hear from the market, what are some of the main pitfalls that you see financial institutions usually run into when deploying advanced technologies and techniques in AI for surveilling and monitoring and detecting market abuse and market manipulation? So one is, is testing of them. One thing to have is just a simple algorithm and being able to test that and going through a, not just a initial testing with beta testing and making sure it's not producing unintended results. It gets infinitely more difficult when you have machine learning and more sophisticated forms of AI to be able to oversee that, again, from the compliance perspective. The other is not just financial institutions, but the agencies themselves, regulatory agencies. So for example, the SEC, CFTC, FINRA, and others mm-hmm. have to be able to use machine learning in two ways. One is to understand how firms are employing it so they could better examine specific firm activity. But the other is using it themselves to monitor market activity. Example is if you go back to March and April of this year, where we had extreme market volatility, AI would have been, and machine learning would have been immensely helpful for regulators to look for patterns in that activity that they couldn't discern from just regular market oversight. There is a lot 
to highlight here and really dive deeper into as it relates to techniques and applications, algorithms. There's obviously a lot of high math, but one specific form of analytics uh, known as behavioral analytics, especially in the most recent years, has become a very important component for risk and compliance. Especially the way behavioral analytics as a technique empowered by AI can be used to build a holistic view of risk and and, um, risky indicators and activities. Where are we with it today? How can it be best leveraged for uh, market abuse and market manipulation surveillance and detection and prevention? Good question, Oz. Maybe in two ways. One is really to better refine market monitoring ability, to look for hard to detect patterns that you normally couldn't pick up. So if you use machine learning to essentially reprogram your market monitoring algos to learn from past behavior and past mistakes or past corrections, you can come up with more refined results than you could have if you were just relying on kind of broad 50,000 foot market monitoring techniques. The other is to better analyze trading activity at a particular firm. So if you're looking at quoting behavior, trading behavior, hedging patterns and the like, I think machine learning and AI will be, as the cloud was before a couple of years ago, AI machine learning will be extremely helpful to regulators in looking and discerning what a particular firm is actually trying to do. Yeah, that's that's exciting. And that's where... Also, the holistic, the uh, comprehensive 360-degree view of whatever it is that a compliance officer should be looking at can be best captured when you also apply behavioral analytics, because that seems to be the underlining foundation. You know, when I started focusing on AI, it used to be very futuristic. Right now, it's now and current, but I gotta, I'm still inclined to look at the horizon. So to the best of your knowledge, and this is a very revolving domain, as you know it quite well. So to the best of your knowledge, what type of trends and breakthroughs should we expect to see in the field of AI and machine learning? as it applies to risk and compliance. Good point. If you would have asked me two years ago, I would have said, well, it's firms, trading firms, and broker dealers in general, financial institutions will increasingly start to explore uses of machine learning. But that deep learning was really, because of the immense computing costs involved, really was going to be reserved for institutions like hedge funds, prop trading firms, and the like. But then as the cost of computing power started to decrease, as it always always does, you start to see the investment banks devoting resources to deep learning and deep learning techniques involved in their trading. And it started to become a little bit more widespread, still not nearly to the extent machine learning and other and regular AI is for, for most firms. But I, I think you're going to see more of a spread of looking at deep learning. The interesting thing will be, will that have a result the same that we saw with index arbitrage you know, mm, yeah. 20 years ago, where it was some firms who were on the cutting edge of it. They started getting edge through their ability to do index arbitrage. But then everybody else, a lot of everybody, a lot of other firms started doing it. The edge got really small and it didn't become as profitable as it had been. So then folks turned to the next new bright, shiny object, which was high frequency trading. And again, we saw a number of firms getting to that seven, 10 years ago. And again, you know, it's, has that become overcrowded? You see a lot of hedge funds now not being as, well, before the, the COVID app volatility, not being as profitable as they had been. And I say all this as a way of saying, I think machine, some firms are going to get more into deep learning, but at a certain point, 
is that edge going to disappear as more and more firms get into it? Or is there going to be some new innovation or angle out of that that comes that we just don't know right now? Yeah, absolutely. I don't know if we have a couple of minutes, but this is a personal curiosity that I'd like to know. So looking at your background, which is very unique, you've been working on very cutting edge, forward-looking use cases and and, uh, applications and, and techniques such as blockchain and AI you know, machine learning that we've spoken of, fintech and so on. I'm sure some of our listeners, if not most of them, would like to know why. How did you get into this space? And you also seem to have a lot of technical knowledge uh, based on your publications that you've written and the way you define these terms that seem to be still complex today. Yeah, well, it was a little bit of happenstance, us, and a little bit of luck. When I was in law school, I was also getting a master's in political science and do so, I need to take a number of courses, statistics courses, and those to me proved to be some of the most interesting ones I, I took in getting my master's. So when I started working at the SEC, coincided with the emergence of derivatives, and most lawyers seem to be scared and frightened by trying to understand options pricing theory and hedging and delta hedging. But to me, that was actually very fascinating. It's much more fascinating than the legal aspects so I threw myself into learning that. And then as, as a result of that, I got more and more interested in trading and the um, mechanics of trading and the mathematics of trading. So that led me ultimately to start to be interested in AI and the like when it came out. But I do have to admit, I have to throw a shout out to my son, Scott, who is a top-notch computer engineer. And having a son who's a computer engineer helps a little bit. So it was those two things. Yeah, and and Scott's definitely uh, your son definitely chosen the right career because it it's part of the future. It's not going to go away, and it's pretty exciting, evolving space. So, well, guys, this has been a great discussion. You guys have both shared some some terrific insights, and and I really thank you both for your time today. Well, thank you, thank you, Scott, thank you, Howard. So that was Murphy and McGonagall partner Howard Kramer, an FTI consulting, data analytics, and financial crime compliance subject matter expert. Osveral. This concludes this episode of Fraud Eat Strategy. Thank you for listening and stay tuned for the next episode when we'll hear from Sullivan and Cromwell partner Nick Burton and Harvard Business School professor and best-selling author Eugene Soltis to discuss deconstructing the minds of white-collar criminals. If you have an idea on a fraud or corruption case topic or guest you'd like to hear about on a future episode, email us at fraudeatsstrategy at fticonsulting.com. Thanks for listening.